0: While the words ricocheted in the Grand Dome, Hashim kept his head low and said a silent prayer asking for mercy like he had done thousands of times since realizing he was gay. My name is Henrik Milenius, and I'm the author of The Rise Up Trilogy, a young adult coming of age story about Hashim, Alex and Marian confronting real life issues like climate change, corrupt politics, animal cruelty and racial and gender equity. This sweetly serialized audiobook podcast is narrated by Scott Summers. 17. Hashim stirred awake as the black town car stopped for a red light on the Lakeshore Drive. Noel and Justin were whispering to each other, obviously not wanting to disturb him. Then, Noel glanced at him and smiled encouragingly, still oblivious to the whole drama Hashim had gone through in the club. Justin knew, but wasn't talking. The surprise looked on Justin's face had made Hashim understand what had happened when he had approached them for the coat check. With perfect timing, Justin had executed a preemptive strike by taking the rival out with one long kiss. He wasn't sure what kind of relationship they had, but he understood their roles, and he knew he never wanted to be in Justin's shoes, the one always fending off Noel's many admirers. Hashim was still asleep when the car stopped in front of their building. When Justin poked him gently in the ribs, Hashim's eyes popped open. Scratching his neck, he tried to remember why he was there, and why his head felt so clouded. Before he had time to think any further, Noel had gotten out of the car and opened the door for him. Come on, let me help you, Noel said and grabbed his arm. Hashim almost lost his balance as he stumbled up from the back seat, but Noel's solid grip kept him on his feet. Hashim entered the building, shaking his head to clear the fuzziness. He could hardly put one foot in front of the other. Nevertheless, exhaustion had its merit in staving off the memory of incessant fails that had been his lot that night. Are you all right? Noel asked, pressing the elevator button. Maybe we can do this some other time? Hashim nodded without enthusiasm as he stepped into the elevator. Noel ran a hand through his hair. You sure you all right? I'm just tired, Hashim said with a smile more like a grimace. After he got out of the elevator on the 10th floor, he leaned on the wall and buried his face in his hands. He was trying to elicit some kind of sentiment. Anger, regret, resentment, defeat, disgust, or even dread. But all he could feel was numbness. He tried to say a silent prayer, asking for forgiveness for all the sins he had committed that night, but he couldn't muster up enough remorse to put his soul into it. After Hashim fished the keys from his pocket, he suddenly sensed that his mother was waiting for him behind the door. He had never been out so late without informing his parents, not to mention the fact that he had been taking shots and smoking pot for the first time in his life. Maybe she had even seen him being half carried from a limo by a well known deviant as she sometimes called their upstairs neighbor. In spite of this, he felt surprisingly calm. His fate was in Allah's hands. Once inside, Hashim took off his shoes and hung up his jacket. Then he saw his mother sitting in the dark by the window. In spite of her hefty size, she swiftly rolled out of the armchair and barked, And where have you been? Hashim froze. He realized he was still wearing Noel's sleeveless shirt. Curling his shoulders, he tried to make himself invisible as his mother repeated her question. Have you been drinking? She walked up to him and sniffed. Under his mother's glare, Hashim dropped his chin, wheezing through his already half-clogged throat. He didn't resist as she pulled his hair, swaying his head from side to side. What is this stuff? And that shirt! Answer me! When Hashim remained silent, she let go and took a step back. It's that man upstairs. I know about him. The whole house knows about him. He's a pervert, and now he has corrupted you. He forced you to- No! His mother lunged forward and slapped him on the cheek. Don't you lie to your mother. Hashim's head jolted to the side, but this time he refused to lower his head. He stared her right in the eye with unforeseen audacity. Neither of them had noticed that Dad had come out of the bedroom until he made his presence known by clearing his throat. Look at your son. He was carried home at this hour by that homosexual black devil from upstairs. Everybody must have seen it. You have brought shame to this family. Calm down, my dear. Let me do this. Dad planted himself between them and reached to touch Hashim's shoulder. Habibi, what is going on? Hashim wiped his face and tried to say something, but he couldn't get the words out. We are your parents. You can tell us everything, Dad said, gently squeezing his shoulder. Under his father's compassionate gaze, Hashim was able to breathe again as the clamp came undone in his throat. Can I just go to bed? No, his mother said and took a step forward. Please tell us what happened, said Dad. I've been to a club, a gay club. She glared at him. He made you do it. I am going to. No, he didn't, Hashim said and met her glowering glare. The mother clenched her fist. That's not true. He, I'm gay. Mother waved her hand dismissively. That's not true. How would you know that? You're only a boy. You've been blinded like the imam said. Are you certain you are a homosexual? Asked Dad. Hashim couldn't detect any disdain on his father's face. Only kindness and curiosity. He nodded. No. His mother lunged forward, shoving Dad to the side and slapped Hashim again. Thrown against the wall, Hashim crumpled to hold his balance. When she raised her hand again, Dad grabbed it before she could hit. You're not doing this to our family she screamed. You're going to marry that girl. I won't let you dishonor our family. Touching his tender left cheek with his fingertips, Hashim refused to lower his head in submission. I can't. Marrying her would be a lie. Let's continue this tomorrow, dad said as he tried to pull her away. However, his mother didn't budge. You have no shame. You're not even asking for forgiveness. Pressing his lips together, Hashim swallowed hard. Then he opened his mouth to speak, but stopped. As he understood with a sinking feeling in his stomach that there was nothing he could say to change his mother's mind. Before dad could stop her, she was able to wiggle free and whack Hashim again. This time, he didn't even try to counterbalance the hit. Hitting his head on the wall, he dropped to his knees. When she tried to kick him, Dad grabbed her firmly and yanked her out of range. You're not my son, she shouted. I don't want to see you ever again, and you can forget about that scholarship in the fancy school. I'm sure Haji Ali will agree with me. Haji Ali? Dad asked as he locked his hands around his wife's waist. But it's not his decision. You old fool, he can do whatever he wants, she said before turning her glare back on Hashim. You're not my son. You hear me? As Hashim leaned against the wall to steady himself, she continued. Get out! Get out of my house and never come back! Go live in the gutter where you belong! Then, she collapsed on the floor wailing, almost crushing her husband in the process. Hashim squeezed his eyes shut. He wished this was just a bad dream, and that soon he would wake up and everything would be as it was before. But the physical pain he felt made it very unlikely. Witnessing his mother cursing him to the lowest echelons of hell while his father held her down was too much for him to bear. Hashim lowered his head, heaved himself up, staggered to the door, and let himself out. Eighteen. With a light wind in his back, Alex propelled his bike along the cycling lane on Lakeshore Drive. The strenuous peddling helped to clear his mind after all the dope and beer he had imbibed that night. Biting his lip, he tried to stay focused. Hashim wasn't picking up the phone. He had already tried to call him several times and had left him messages on all the various apps they used. He had a gnawing feeling that his friend was in deep trouble. Maybe Miriam knew where Hashim was. However, he couldn't just call her up and ask, not after telling her off so rudely. The street where Miriam lived was all quiet and peaceful. The big houses stood behind long driveways hidden partly by walls and thick bushes. Alex left his bike under an elm tree and sneaked through a loose spot in the shrub fence in the far corner of the front yard. He treaded the path to Miriam's back door without being detected by the motion sensors. He had only to make a turn at the right spot in order to not raise an alarm. He and Hashim had done it countless of times since the three of them started hanging out together in junior year. At the time, her father was determined to keep boys out of his daughter's life. But that was a losing battle. Miriam was too independently minded and comfortable in her own skin to be cowed into a submission or to be lured to do anything she didn't want. And after a month of the silent treatment from Miriam, her father gave in and accepted the fact that things were different in his adopted country than in the land he had grown up in. Blocking the garden light with his hand, Alex leaned his forehead on the window and saw Miriam sleeping in bed. When he tapped the pane with his nails, Miriam tossed and turned, but didn't wake up. The last thing he wanted was to make enough noise to wake up her father, but this was an emergency. He had to take the risk. After he knocked on the window with his knuckles, Miriam opened her eyes. When she realized it was Alex, she frowned and buried her head in the pillow. Alex went back to using his nails. This time, she turned and said silently, Go away! Alex shook his head and brought his palms together, pleading. With a heavy sigh, she reached for her bathrobe at the foot of the bed. Alex took a sip of the mint tea, giving his words time to sink in. Nodding slowly, Miriam said, And I thought it was the multiple sclerosis that killed your mom. That's what Alex had told his friends. Only Hashim knew the truth. Earlier that same summer, they had been forced to move to a smaller apartment across town because mom's medical bills were piling up and they had already remortgaged their old place. It also meant changing schools and finding new friends. Actually, Alex kind of embraced it in the end. It was a fresh start and he didn't want to be known thereafter as the boy whose mother jumped from the fifth floor window. I'm sorry. It must have been very hard for you, Miriam said in a soothing tone. Alex leaned in on the armchair. But only two weeks into my sophomore year, I met a sheen. I don't know if I ever told you the story. Shaking her head, Miriam stopped frowning. I made such a mess. I mean, on the floor. I bumped into him in the cafeteria and my tray fell. Although it was my bad, he insisted on sharing his lunch with me. We talked about this and that, nothing special. I was the new kid in school, and I didn't know that the other kids were calling him Osama, not that it made any difference. With him, I felt I could relax, and that didn't happen often. He was so incapable of faking anything that I didn't need to do it either. I had a feeling that somehow he knew what I was going through, and we started hanging out together. I never had to explain to him anything about what had happened to my family. He just looked at me with those big brown eyes, and I felt calm and hope. Yeah, I felt hope that I might get through this. I understand, Miriam said and nodded. Trying to contain his grin, Alex hugged himself. He had never tried to explain how their friendship started before. It was such a natural and instant connection they shared that he had doubted he could ever put it into words. He found it ironic that he, whose dream was to become a writer, would have qualms about something as elementary as trying to describe a real-life event in his own life. That was what Mrs. Rodriguez, his English teacher, had been trying to get him to do since day one. Instead, he had settled to write about things that happened to other people. As he sat there beaming at Miriam, he realized why he had become so reluctant. It was too close for comfort. It involved too many painful memories that he had been unwilling to face. Now he had done it, and he knew it was a story that needed to be told. Suddenly, he choked. We've got to find Hashim, now, Alex said and sprung up. You sure he's not at home? It's already morning. I've got that feeling again, Alex said with a pained gaze. Over a year before, Hashim had been visiting his grandparents in Cairo during Christmas time. Only a week after his arrival, a new series of demonstrations against the regime had broken into here square. A couple of days later, Alex had jolted awake in his bed in the middle of the night with a dull pain in his chest. Instantly, he knew his best friend was in trouble. He had tried to call Hashim's phone, but it was turned off. He took his bike and drove through the sleeping town through a snowstorm and arrived at Hashim's door half frozen. Thank God Hashim's dad had taken Alex's premonition seriously. He contacted his family in Cairo and mobilized them. Through their contacts in the government, they were able to track Hashim to a local police station, just before Hashim was transported to a detention center farther out of town. Some bribes were paid, and Hashim was released to the family. If they hadn't found him in time, the consequences would have been much more severe. People were regularly tortured in these detention centers, and they could disappear without a trace. Hashim hadn't been taking part in that demonstration. He was just a bystander, but because of his pious demeanor, the police had mistaken him for a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. This outlawed party was now being persecuted after being ousted for running a repressive government themselves. We've got to find them now. Alex said, standing with one arm holding the other at the elbow. Maybe if we called the phone company and said it was a real emergency, maybe they could locate his phone. I think it should go through the police, but we don't have time for that. Besides, they only act after 24 hours. Alex sat down on the bed and hung his head. His brain was working overtime. There was a solution. He could feel it, but he simply wasn't able to wrap his mind around it. And then it hit him the Mobile Security and Antivirus Program. He had made Hashim use the same program as he did. He dashed to Miriam's laptop. Once he got to the right site, he typed in Hashim's phone number. Uh, Now we only need to figure out the password. Miriam stared at the screen over his shoulder. Try Anubis. I think that was the name of his cat when he was a kid. Alex tried it, but it was wrong. Or his mother? Alex groaned when that fell as well. He bit his lower lip and turned to Miriam. They held each other's gaze as they both realized the answer at the same time. Then he typed his name and pressed enter. Thank you for listening to the Rise Up Trilogy podcast. For more information go to my website henrikvillenius.com